Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge podcast, where we discuss creators of color disrupting the game in TV, film, and pop culture. I am your host, Rebecca Theodore Vachon, and on this episode, I'm joined by Robert Young as we review episode four of the Disney animated series, What If?, titled, What If Doctor Strange Lost His Heart Instead of His Hands? Hi, Robert. Hey, Rebecca. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, this is what I live for. Like, listen, I love all of our recaps. I enjoy doing this with you. And I I think you and I are in agreement that what if is that bitch? Okay, It really is. It really is. And I've loved all the... I mean, episode three, I liked it. One and two, great. Three Mm -hmm. was good. This episode? That? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Marvel's doing big things, big things in this one. Well, what was it that you told me uh, when you when you saw like that whole thing about Marvel not being able to do something or people's assumptions? Oh yeah, I was just saying. I always keep hearing that Marvel doesn't know how to do dark, and I think this is the darkest superhero thing I've ever seen. Man. Like in in the best of ways. Yes. Can I just tell you that the last five minutes. I mean, we'll get to it. Number one, major spoilers. If you have not seen episode four, as with all of my recaps and reviews, if you haven't seen it, go watch it first because my reviews and recaps are full of um, are full of spoilers. Robert. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, for real though? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. So well, I'll give the ball to you. You can set us up our listeners up as to the synopsis and how this episode starts. What is the premise of this episode? Uh, the, the premise, I, if you just read it, it's kind of confusing, I think, to a lot of people. But the premise is if Dr. Strange lost the love of his life instead of, you know, damaging his hands, how that would change him as the Sorcerer Supreme. Yes. Yes. Um, let me tell you something. <laughs> Mm. I mean, you and I, with the introduction of Doctor Strange into the MCU, you know, the casting of Benedict Cumberbatch, I was like, yeah, I could have gotten a person of color. Yeah, like, Pedro Pascal was right there. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, I had, we had quite a few um, candidates, but this is not, it's not a knock against Benedict Cumberbatch. He's actually a very fine actor. Um, but I mean, you and I, we both saw the original Doctor Strange. W- when did it come out? 2016, 2017? That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't impressed with the yeah. with the live action movie. There's things I love about it, like their implementation of magic in the mm-hmm. MCU as far as the effects and stuff is like top notch. Like the way they did that was like perfect. I was wondering how they were going to do magic. Mm-hmm. But but the story and eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Oh, whatever." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think what we what we remarked, what something an observation that we shared was that while I think a lot of it had to do with the writing, like they, I don't think they yeah. really had a specific grasp on who Stephen Strange was. I agree. Um, and so what's interesting, and I think both of both you and I had observed this, is that his appearance in other MCU movies were way more interesting, right? Like mm-hmm. starting with his cameo in Thor Ragnarok, right? His interaction yeah. with Thor. I thought it was quite funny. He had like this very dry, that that dry British humor, right? Mm-hmm. While he's not British in 
in this movie, in in his appearances, the MCU, Benedict Cumberbatch is British or from, you know. Um, yeah, I was just like, okay, that's funny. And then I liked him in Infinity War. I kind of like his interaction with Tony because they're both arrogant pricks, right? Yeah, um, kind of like in different ways, but yeah. Yeah, but this one, this episode of What If, as, as we know, Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch does come back to voice Doctor Strange, as well as uh, Rachel McAdams, uh, who played Christine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then who else did we who else do we have back? Uh, the actor f- that plays Wong is back. Yes, Benedict Wong. Yes, yes, yes. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So what? I'll start with what were your initial thoughts of episode four? This kind of blew me away because once I saw that the episode was Doctor Strange, I was like, uh, okay, let's see where this goes. Mm-hmm. But like it really kicked off like pretty quickly that I got interested, you know, in the whole premise of it. Right. Um and the, the very first scene with the watcher looking over the city talking, it made me mm-hmm. think of our conversation last week when you were like the watchers interacting a whole lot more too. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> we have to talk about that. Um, so yeah, oh, I'm sorry. So with the cast, Benedict Cumberbatch is back as Stephen Strange, Rachel McAdam voices Christine Palmer, Tilda Swinson is back as the ancient one, and um, as Robert mentioned, Benedict Wong um is back as Wong. Oh, mm-hmm. I just realized that. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and of course, I'm I'm just gonna keep saying this for every recap and review of what if Jeffrey motherfucking right <laughs> like his voiceover so good. of and we really get to see how good he is in this episode right mm-hmm. because something happens at the end where it's like oh okay yeah, yeah. and jeffrey wright definitely brings his a game um in this performance so um so kick us off with how this episode starts and what the premise is and what if what the what if premise is uh, so the the basically the what is premises uh, in the movie that portion of the movie where Doctor Strange is driving to I guess an award ceremony mm-hmm. instead of driving by himself this time he's driving with Christine Rachel McAdams character right and in the crash instead of him being his hands being damaged she is killed mm-hmm. so they so they use the uh... The uh, kill the girlfriend fridge trope. Yeah, right? I was going to ask you that. Like, what do you mm-hmm. think of this since it's a what if episode and, you know, this didn't happen in the main timeline? What do you think of the the fridging the girlfriend for um, this what if? I mean, it's a it's a trope. I think it's it's kind of played out. Mm-hmm. That being said, it's how you use that trope. Right. While, right. A, a, while a trope can be can be redundant and it can be a little bit overused. What they did here. At least, and I want to give credit to the writer. The head writer of What If is AC Bradley, who is a woman, by the way. I did not know this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm fascinated by her writing. And so actually having a woman write this episode makes it a little bit different, right? Like okay. I think if a if a guy had written a girlfriend being fridged, mm-hmm. because I think at least in my opinion, Christine's death, right? And then mm-hmm. we see that um Strange is so uh, tortured and wrapped with sadness and grief over the death of Christine. It does follow the other timeline. It does follow the other steps. He does become the Sorcerer Supreme. 
he does become Doctor Strange. He he practices the mystic arts. Uh, the ancient one dies. So a lot of the similar, a lot of similar beats from the Doctor Strange um, live action movie are also in this reality. The only difference is that Christine is now dead. Right. And so yeah, so it does set him on this dangerous path. Um, he he is the he is the the holder of the time uh, the time stone. Um, and he uses it to bring Christine back. And so we, <laughs> oh man, that scene was, that that whole montage was Multiple, brutal. multiple, multiple times. That was yes. painful to watch. It was painful to watch. Like he was like, okay. So he brings himself back to the point where he picks her up to go to the dinner. The, the first time he drives, because the, the original, in, in the original timeline, uh, he cut or went behind a, a truck. Right. Mm-hmm. Like jet kind of driving recklessly. And then another car hit them from behind and they went over an, an embankment. Right. So this time when he goes and uses the time stone to try to prevent Christine's death, this time he doesn't cut the truck in front of him. He's just like, I'm just going to slow down. But she's still they still get hit by a car. Mm hmm. And then the other, and then it's just like all this. She gets yeah. hit by a truck. Uh, it, it just I, isn't there one where she chokes on a pizza or something like that. I forget. It was just like no, they were, the they were in the pizza. They were in the pizza uh, pizzeria, uh, and a, a a burglar came in and oh shot her. Oh my goodness! So yeah. no matter what he does, and then there's one. This is the one that really hurt. He doesn't pick her up at all. She's just left standing there. He stands he her up. Her. He ghosted her. He was like, listen, if I don't pick her up and take her to this party, she will live. And then wasn't there an explosion in her building? Or yeah, something her like building that? exploded. You know what this episode reminded me of? Because I kind of I it kind of reminds me of certain uh, sci fi movies and TV shows when mm-hmm. they're done and they're written correctly. It, it hurts. Uh, number one, I think about Supernatural, which is one of my favorite uh, TV series, there is an episode, I believe it's in season three or four, that's called The Mystery Spot. Okay. Um, and you know, the premise of Supernatural is that Sam and Dean are brothers who are sort of like demon hunters and vampire hunters. They're on the road. They mm-hmm. go from town to town, you know, basically helping people. Um, and so in season three, the premise was that um, Dean had basically sold his, at the end of season two, Sam had been had been killed. Uh, and then uh, Dean sold his soul to a demon, bargained his oh, soul. Wow. He was like, if you can bring my brother back, you can have my soul. And so the demon is like, you have one year and then I'm going to collect. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this episode of the mystery spot, it's sort of like a standalone episode. And whenever I um, suggest supernatural to people, I always bring them to that episode. I was like, if oh, you okay. want to know about it, watch that because the dynamics. Between- but so basically in this in this uh, episode of mystery spot they wake up on a wednesday and it just becomes like a groundhog day where dean repeatedly dies all these different ways and so sam kind of does the same thing that dr strange does he he tries you know not to take him like he's like uh well don't order this don't do this let's not go to the and no matter what they do dean ends up dying he ends up dying. And we've, we come to find out, there's no spoilers here. If you haven't seen this episode of Supernatural, I mean, it is what it is. Been out for 10 <laughs> years. But basically, we find out that it was the trickster god Loki. Aha, MCU connection here. They have a Loki in, in Supernatural. Um, okay. And he basically, it was a reality that he created for Sam because he was like, I need you. It was it was a it was a fucked up thing for tr- Loki to do, but he was like, I'm trying to get you to 
let go of your brother. He doesn't have much time left. And I'm trying to get you to start understanding what your life is going to look like without him. Wow. Stop, stop holding on to him. Stop. And, and, and Loki says something because this is something, you know, throughout Supernatural is that while they have a very loving bond with each other, they have a very dysfunctional bond as well. Okay. And throughout the 15 seasons, there's this cycle of someone dying and one of them sacrificing themselves to save the other. And then, you know, whenever you make a deal with the devil, there's always consequences to that. So Loki was in his own messed up way was trying to wake Sam up. He was like, your brother's going to die. The demon is coming. You guys have tried everything. You can't break it. And what are you going to do? Like you got to, you have to figure out how you're going to live your life without your brother, because you guys have a very, um, a very dysfunctional relationship, right? A very codependent relationship. So I feel like this is kind of what AC Bradley, the writer in Dr. Strange is trying to say, like, at least when I watch Dr. Strange, um, I mean, I'm sure people will be like, oh, you know, the fridging the girlfriend trope. Yes, absolutely. Also, what I am getting out of that story is it's really more of a, a plot device. Well, yes, it is problematic. But what AC Bradley is really saying, at least to me, it's about when we hold on to trauma and when yeah. we hold on to pain um, because she died. And the ancient one told her he was like, uh, Christine's dying is an absolute point. Right. After mm-hmm. he does all these multiple ways to bring Christine back, ain't the ancient one comes through. And basically it's like, you know, strange, you got to stop this. This is, I mean, it's torture to just watch this at this point. She was yeah. like, you cannot bring Christine's death back. And strange asks why. Um, and she says, it, this is an absolute point um, that Christine's death cannot be changed. You know, because of Christine dying, that's how you get into the misting arts. That's how you become Dr. Strange. That's how you defeat Damamu, De- right? That's the demon. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't listen. Nope. Which I guess isn't surprising. Uh, it kind of made me think back to the um, Spider-Man trailer we just watched where people mm-hmm. were like, would Strange really do that? And like, you know what? He kind of would. <laughs> and we see what would happen if he does. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, oh, it's so good. And th- this episode, like I was just sitting there like, wow. Um, so yeah, so we see the Ancient One uh, try to make, you know, she's, basically telling strange to stand down, you know, I know it's hard, but you got to let her go. And he refuses to. And so he uses the time stone and basically goes back in time into a place in time where the ancient one can't find him. Um, and basically he's on the lookout for the library of Cagliostro, right? Is that correct? Yes. That's, yeah. that's right. Uh, yep. Okay. So you can run with it. So what happens then? Uh, yeah. Oh, I just wanted to say before that, but like mm-hmm. right before he teleports away, the ancient one splits him into two, which we find out a little bit later, but yes. she splits him into two Dr. Stranges in the same timeline. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, there's the Dr. Strange that does not use the time stone to get Christine back. He just goes up and gets tea. And right. then we have this Dr. Strange that actually does try yes. to find Christine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so yeah, he he teleports to this giant library of Cagliostro, uh, at least the dimension where it's at. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, but that's the the book of Cagliostro, is the book that uh Cassilius used in the Doctor Strange movie to contact Dormammu. 
No, I did not know. You see, I don't yeah. remember much about Dr. Yeah, Shaker. that entire <laughs> book is the book of a dark mystic arts. Oh, boy. So it deals with all kinds of stuff like that. Right, right. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. Cagliostro is basically like he's a literary character. Doesn't he show up in Spawn? I feel like the Cagliostro character you know, is Spawn well, as well. You know what? That name sounds familiar in Spawn, Yeah. I'm, I'm going to look it up, familiar. but I'm I'm pretty sure that there is a character with a similar name. Um, yeah. We'll look it up. Yes, but continue. But yeah, once he transports there, he finds these wards and he starts, uh, he uh, gets rid of one of the wards. But when he tries to continue on moving, like all these other wards pop up and they kind of like open up the floor under him and he falls down into this like dark pit where mm-hmm. this person walks up to him and you know he he keeps on asking the guy the guy you know where's the library i you did you remember mm-hmm. his name the character's name that oh 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 bang oh the bang. librarian yes yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so he's asking him where the library is and he's giving him these cryptic answers and he just kind of turns around and ignores strange and walks away and when they walk out he sees like this giant library with mm-hmm. like no doors or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he uh, he finds his uh, he goes into the library uh, and he brings all the books out using his magic, and he finds the book that deals with time, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the book of Cagliostro. Oh boy! And he starts reading through there, you know, where the book tells him that he needs to gain more power mm-hmm. to cast this spell and he's like i know that he's like how do i get more power and to gain more power he has to absorb energy from these mystical beings mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then we go to that portion of the show <laughs> yeah so th- i want to uh, just that part where strange there's two things that I, that occurred to me uh, when I was watching those scenes, number one, one of the things that occurred to me was this idea of the sorcerer gaining more knowledge and power, which is a lot like the ending of WandaVision, right? Mm, Where yeah. we see Wanda is just, and I'm like, wait a minute, are, is she getting her books from the Library of Cause Co-? we just see these books just disappear. Like she's floating and we just see these books just appearing out of nowhere and she's just absorbing them you know what i mean just you see the sigils she's like reading them at super fast speeds it looks like yes so there's definitely so i i can definitely see there's a connection between this dr strange episode Mm -hmm. and uh you know even like just the storyline of wandavision is it's it's not that dissimilar right the fact that you have this woman who has these powers racked with grief over losing a loved one she lost vision um oh, wow yeah and lost him twice right because the mm-hmm. first time she she killed him cuz he was like listen you need to kill me so um you know so thanos does not get this stone right mm-hmm. in my, that's in my head so she kills him and then thanos <laughs> turns back time and then kills her and then kills him again in front of her. And I was just like, Oh my God. And so that puts Wanda on this path where she's just racked with grief, much like Steven. And then that causes her to create this fictional reality that is Westview. Right. And holding the, the residents of that town as like sitcom characters, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I could definitely see a connection between that. And of interest, we know that uh, 
uh, Elizabeth Olsen, who plays Wanda in the live action version, will actually be in the next Doctor Strange movie, right? The Multiverse of Madness. So that's going to be interesting. I mean, of course, this Doctor Strange does not have that same uh, storyline of losing a loved one. But I just thought it was interesting that they made both characters and what uh, that they made both characters kind of uh travel a, a similar trajectory you know what yeah, I'm saying? i didn't even i didn't even realize those parallels until mm-hmm. you just said it there yeah yeah and so that was interesting and then the other scene the one when steve uh when strange realizes or is told that the that he's gonna need more power in order to change time right to bring christine back they he it is t- it is said in the book that he has to absorb the powers of other beings Right. Right. So then he opens up this portal and then it's just like this scene. He starts with like a little gnome, like this little magical gnome. And then actually he started with that giant octopus thing and it knocks him out. He started first. Yes, you're right. Yeah. And then he was like, all right, let's try again. Let's start smaller. And so that's when he starts with a little gnome and then you see him and then they get these creatures become progressively bigger and more monstrous. And as we see strange absorbing these beings we actually see him actually physically transform as well right like the last one he he, the last one he summons back up that tentacled being right Mm -hmm. and then the tentacles are on his back so now he kind of looks like some scary ass monster now he's looking scary right and then when uh he goes to find obang the the librarian Obang is old. We don't. We didn't even realize like the passage of time because basically Strange top, stopped himself from aging because he knew it would take him years and centuries to absorb the to get the knowledge. And Obang just aged, right? right? And so now we saw him in the bed, and he's about to die. He's on his deathbed, hair white, everything. And I love what Obang says to him. He was like, "You are half a man living half a life." Yeah, because that was he's because wild. he's. Yeah, because he's already seen that Strange is different. He's darker, not only on the outside, his even, you know, but although Strange does try to use the stone to restore Obeng, and Obeng is like, nope. nope. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want that. And I loved what he said to him. Um, he said, uh, even in our world, death is part of the plan. Yes. And and that is something that Strange cannot accept. He can't accept. And I think that. Going back to the scene, I, I, I just wanted the scene where he was like absorbing all the other beings and he was changing, he's becoming darker. That scene really spoke to me because I thought like to me, this whole episode was really like a metaphor about how we deal with our darkness and our inner demons and our and our grief and our pain and our trauma. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he was standing there willingly letting all this darkness into him. Right. Mm-hmm. Because he's wrongheadedly believing that he's doing this for the greater good. Right. Right. But really just sitting there and just letting all of this darkness inside him. And I was just like, wow, like for me, at least I was, I I was kind of looking at it personally, like the way that even for us as human beings, as just like regular people, how there's this thing where we kind of get stuck in a groove when something really awful happens to us and we can't let go of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, like we have our absolute point of grief, right? Like where it's just like, it's just this thing that happens in our life and we just cannot let it go. We keep going to this, back to the scene of the crime, so to speak. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, And it, and what it does is it 
and also this idea of 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 a strange freezing time, right? That right. kind of happens to us when we hold on to that grief. We we're not able to progress. Right, we're, we're just we're, like stuck at that point of our lives. Exactly, exactly. And this is why when you there are certain people that you meet, they're just so broken inside. It's through mm. no fault of themselves, but it's like they can't. They're they're just there, whatever. Yeah trauma and they can't leave that wherever you know it's a car accident or or being sexually molested god forbid or just anything awful that happens in your life or a death of a loved one and you're just you're just there you know because yeah, it reminds me stuck. yeah you know like i lost my mom when she was 18 she died from a stroke and i feel like like when i look back at my life i don't feel that i like my 20s were just lost there my all yeah. of my 20s it was just i just felt like i was still at that grave site and i was still seeing her body being brought down into the earth. And I just never, while I physically, it looked like I was progressing, right? It was like, I would wake up to go to work and I would do this and I would do, but emotionally I was still that 18 year old girl that lost her mom. And yeah. I brought, and I, and I brought all that grief and trauma into my relationships and my mm -hmm. friendships. Yeah. I went through something similar. My mom died when I was 25 and Ooh. I was three, four years into my marriage then. Mm -hmm, and it, mm -hmm. it, it was kind of like the end of uh, my marriage with my daughter's mom because I just kind of shut down yes. and I, I didn't want to be close to anybody. And it mm -hmm. was kind of like the end of it. Yeah. I was just stuck at that moment. Right. So. And then you, and you have people around you because we see throughout the episode, like people are trying to warn strange not to go down this path. Obang warns him, the ancient one. And he's like, nope. I'm going to do what yeah. I'm going to do because he's like, I got to bring Christine back or whatever. And so he accomplishes what he sets out to do. He does get the, he becomes, you know, sorcerer Supreme dark side edition. <laughs> um, and then the episode flips over and then we see the Dr. Strange. We're brought back to the scene where he was sitting. Considering in the sanctum. Yeah. In the sanctum. And then that's when, uh, we, and then when he goes outside, that's when he notices like, it almost looks like <laughs> infinity war where people are just disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but much it, worse. <laughs> it looked so much cooler. It looked like there was just like this. People looked like almost like half melted. Yes, with this black goo. Ooh. It was really trippy. It looked yeah. it looked so good. The it, the art on this show is amazing. Yeah, and so that's when um this ancient one comes through a portal. And at this time, we know that the ancient one was dead. And so Strange was like, wait a minute, how are you here? And then she was like, I'm just sort of like an echo. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then that's when she, and then like you said, that's when she reveals to him that she had split the timeline, right? So right. that that scene when she had confronted uh, Strange before he disappeared to go to the library of Cogliostro, uh, she split the timeline. When she saw she couldn't uh, get Stop through to him. him. Yeah, mm -hmm. so we have this strange that she's talking to now, the one that didn't do it. And then we have the other one. And she was like, basically, the only one who can stop you is you. <laughs> <laughs> and then somehow, um, you know, he finds Wong. Wong is in is sort of disappearing too, right? Right, right. But but somehow he finds the goodness in his heart. He, he gives him a protection spell and kind of helps him locate this dark strange. Um Man. Yeah, the Dark Strange located him and pulled. Oh, he did. Him, yes, that's, it pulled him into the dimension. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh boy! And then the fight. 
Let you, you can talk about that. You can talk about that. <laughs> well, first, first, let me say, like the the mystic part of the Marvel universe is my second favorite part of the Marvel universe. I was like one of the few mm. people when I was growing up that read Doctor Strange comics. Wow, and lived in that side of the universe. Yeah. The mutant side is my number one favorite, of course, because of the mm-hmm. X Men. But uh, so to see this fight. And these graphics was just mind-blowing. And then the other cool thing I wanted to say is I Mm. like how they introduced all of the audience to uh, magical wards in WandaVision. Mm -hmm. And now we get to see magical wards used in this episode. Not only the wards that were put on Doctor Strange's face, but Mm -hmm. also the ward that was surrounding him when when he was pulled into the dimension. Yes, yeah, so I like how they're like slowly introducing the audience to all these magical things mm-hmm. and, and then like showing it to them in like successive series and stuff like that. Right. But yeah, this fight between them was just like, it was epic. It, it was really was. Epic. And it, it to me, it was really like, that's like the inner battle that we have within ourselves, right? Isn't that our that's like That's what it inner felt dimension? like. Right? Yeah. Where you like have, visualized, yes, right, manifested. Where it's just mm-hmm. like because Strange had accepted Christine's death as much as he loved her and missed her. He was like, "This is not meant to be. Like, I have to let her go." And this Strange was on some. No, you, you know, we can bring her back because they actually go back to the scene. That's where the, the the crash site is, where the car is, um, and they just go at it because Strange is like, "Listen, if you do this, you're you're literally going to destroy." the universe okay Mm -hmm. like everything (laughs) will be gone and strange just dark strange just does not want to listen he's like i love her and i love what strange said he was like this isn't love yeah this isn't love this is what is the word he said obsession right or it's madness madness Um, yeah yeah because i remember there was something that obang had said to strange when he first came to the library of cagliostro obang said to him Love can break more than your heart. It can shatter your mind. Yeah, that was, I was the, like, yeah, that was the the phrase that uh, I kind of held from this entire episode. Yeah, because the thing is, when we talk about breakups, whether it's voluntary or involuntary, whether it's because you lose a loved one or you break up, whatever it is, you know, the saying is, oh, my heart is broken. What they don't talk about, like when you lose a loved one, it affects your mind like your it really does like your lot like you cannot concentrate like it is true it's your heart and your mind it, it like both of them are in tandem with each other and they're both in shock they're both yes. in trauma you know what i mean and we saw that with dark strange he was gone <laughs> like he was gone gone, gone. <sighs> and strange tried he tried and it looked like he it looked like he won he had that one giant magical blast and it looked like it made him disappeared. And then all of a sudden he gets grabbed by a shadow yes. and pulled back down into that dimension, whatever that dimension was that the dark strange mm-hmm. had control over. And then mm-hmm. he, you know, he kind of like has this illusion of Christine Oof. and he's trying to entice the good strange mm-hmm. to agree with him. Right. So uh, yeah, the good strange, you know, he sees that it's fake mm-hmm. and, but it doesn't really matter at this point. The dark strange is just too powerful yeah. and he absor- ends up absorbing him back into himself. And he gets the time stone. 
Yeah. And he gets the time stone. No, he had the, the no, the Dark Star, Dark Strange already had the time stone already. Oh, yeah, they that's both, right. That's they both right. had it. Yeah, yeah. But now it's like two. So it's even yeah. more powerful. Oh God. That's that scene was just you know that that scene, um, I'm too much of a Marvel junkie. The scene where Good Strange is trying to be in, in enticed by that illusion of Christine mm-hmm. when he's pulled into it. It reminded me of uh, there was another uh, Marvel animated movie that came out a few years ago that was called Hulk versus, right? Okay. And it was the one that was called, it was the one, it was Hulk versus Thor. And if you remember the storyline, what happened was Loki and his, and uh, it was Loki and Adora. Was it Adora? She's the one who's the, the, uh, she's the enchantress or was, it was the enchantress, I think. And so Loki and, and the enchantress basically worked together because they know they can't defeat Thor. And Loki is like, well, the most powerful being is the Hulk, right? And of mm-hmm. course he knows that the Hulk would never, or Bruce Banner would never willingly be on his side. So what happens is they do a spell where they separate Bruce Banner from the Hulk. Oh. So they have the physical part of the Hulk and without the mind of Bruce Banner, he's just a mindless savage. And so you know, Loki goes to war against um, Thor and Odin and the rest of the Asgardian army to try to take the throne. And meanwhile, they trapped or put Bruce Banner somewhere, like since it's his mind, they put him in this dimension and in the dimension in order to for Bruce not to come back. Right. Mm-hmm. They they create this illusion of him being with Betty. So it's, uh, it's it's the life. You see them in this beautiful countryside cabin. They wake up in the morning and they're having coffee. And Bruce is like, oh, my God, this is what I wanted. Because, you know, his relationship with Betty was very complicated because yes. of the fact that he was with the, the Hulk. And I think those there are shades of abuse, like, you know, anger issues in there, which we'll get into um, another day. But he has like this perfect fantasy of him and Betty being together and Bruce finally is like, wait, no, something's not right. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we're talking about the mind-body connection, right? Mm-hmm. One can't live without the other, much like the Matrix. And Bruce is like, no, this reality isn't real. And yeah. Betty is like, no, you you have to stay with me. He was like, I can't. Because I think that's when he starts to see images of what's going on, what, how the Hulk is being used. And it was the most heartbreaking scene because Bruce had finally gotten what he wanted. Right. He was at peace. He didn't have the Hulk to, you know what I mean, to torture him or anything. And then it was like, oh, I got to go back. and eh, I got to yeah. deal with this. And he was like, I got to go. Because at this point, I think Bruce sort of had a friendship with Thor. And he was like, I can't stay. This isn't even real. And mm-hmm. so he goes back and then he goes back into the mind of the Hulk and turns against Loki or whatever. And that's what that kind of reminded me of when Strange had to reject that you know, that, that mirage. Yeah. You can't have the thing you love, the thing, the thing you really wanted. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Like death is, (sighs) death is hard because you know, Robert, it's, it's so final. It's so final and there's no negotiation. There's no, well, can I, can I have my mom back? Can I, you know what I mean? Let me, let me just talk to her for five minutes. That's it. Yeah. Especially when it comes out of the blue too. Especially, especially, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And it's like, it's so shocking and it's so sudden. And then it's like, you're thinking about all the things that you wish that you had said and the things, the, the things they wish ca- you could have done, but you can't, you yeah. know what I mean? And it, it, it just is what it is. And you can't follow them to wherever, you know, whatever you believe in heaven or nirvana or whatever, you can't follow. 
because you're in the land of the living, the land of the living and the land of the dead. That's it. You know, and Mm -hmm. that that's a that's an excruciating type of pain. The finality of that is excruciating. Yeah. When you lose a loved one. And and that's like watching Dr. Strange, like like my heart was in my throat the whole time I was watching this episode. Um, But yeah, yeah, the ending was just super (laughs) tragic. Let's like he talk absorbs about that. strange. He mm-hmm. turns into this like monster, which is like an amalgamation of everything he absorbed. You mm-hmm. see like tentacles and wings and everything all in right. one. Right. And he uses his power and you see him raise the, the vehicle that Christine died in and he brings her back to life. And he looks like this monster and she's like crawling away as fast as she can because she doesn't know what this is and Mm. she she looks down at herself and she's like melting into the dimension like everything else Mm -hmm. oh that the visuals were just and then this is the part where you were talking about earlier where (laughs) strange realized what he's done finally and he's like he can see the watcher there watching and he's like fix this you're a god Mm mm-hmm so what do you think of Jeffrey Wright here? <sighs> Number one, the performance that it was that scene was amazing. Because going back to our earlier scene, when Strange was trying was bringing up those um when Strange was bringing up those beings to absorb their powers, remember the, yeah. the watcher was watching and then Strange turned around and he was like, "Is somebody there?" Yeah, he heard something. <laughs> Robert, I screamed. I was like I know you did. I know you did. <laughs> I was like, "This is it." But I thought that was going to be it. I really, really did. I was like, okay, so I'm getting close to, because in our last podcast, Robert and I had theorized that because we were seeing more of a presence of the Watcher throughout the episodes, that eventually there was going to be a, a interaction of sorts with the Watcher in whatever reality he was narrating, that he would break the fourth wall, so to speak. Right. I did not know he was going to break the wall like that. <laughs> he came with the heat. Wow. And so strange is like, so now you see like the 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 universe, like the you can kind of see like the world is just be blackening around them. And yeah, it's, it's like, like imploding, imploding on him. Yes. And he's trying to use his magic to push it out and keep it away. Yes. And then the watcher was, that's my man. He was like, listen, <laughs> we told you, we warned you, don't do this. He was like, because you remember, strange at this point is bargaining. And negotiating. And he was yes. like, he was like, just take me and just and just um punish me. Just save everybody else. Cause now he's thinking about Wong and you know what I mean? Oh no, that was the good strange. Sorry. So now he's trying to save Christine and now he's seeing the consequences of what he's done. And the watcher was like, Nope, can't help you. And then yep. and the episode ends with the destruction of the world. Everything's gone. Of the universe. Of the universe. <laughs> and then you just see the ending credits. And I was like, there's no, there's no, there's no coup de grace. There's no, there's no do machina. Like there's no saving grace for this guy. He's done what he's done. And that is another searing and mm. hurtful lesson that we have to learn is that sometimes the things that we do, some things can't be undone. Nope. The damage that we cause, sometimes there's not a second chance or a third. It's, it just is what it is, Right. Much yeah. like he didn't accept Christine's death, he could not accept the fact that his actions had caused the end. Because he always thought that he he was he was arrogant, much like Good Strange had told him. He was like, you're an arrogant person. You think 
you can fix things and you can't. Mm-hmm. And so he thought that by bringing back Christine, somehow like the world or like the flowers would bloom and the rainbows. No, you actually caused her to die all over again. Now you really can't bring her back. <laughs> I am so impressed that they went there. Like I never mm. thought I would see anything like this, like end like this in the Marvel mm-hmm. universe. Mm-hmm. And I and I am officially calling this de- now dead universe the six 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 universe. Wow! <laughs> I, I mean, basically, right? Because <laughs> he was, looked like a devil when he became Dark Strange. Ooh, yeah! It was just and the fact, like when Christine looked at him and saw what he had become, and I thought to myself, I was like, again, with this theme of of trauma and pain, is that sometimes the things within us that we don't heal, the things mm-hmm. that corrupt us or make us ugly on, the, like it affects our relationships with our loved ones, right? Like yeah. we think, like we, he thought that Christine's love could save him. And sometimes love is not enough, right? When you are mm-hmm. a broken person inside, whether trauma, whatever it is, when you're that broken inside, the person that you love cannot, they cannot save you from that darkness. The only person that could save you is you. Right, yep. which was which was really why she split the timeline. So, if Dark Strange had taken a time to at least listen to Good Strange and reached, if they could have reached out to each other, there could have been a healing. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. But he didn't want that. Nah, because Good Strange, nah. yeah, because Good Strange. Let's think of him as being healed and whole and good. But that broken and grief stricken, he didn't want to let that in. Not not like that, right? No. Yeah. So you have to take and him. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, in the yeah. very last words that Dark Strange hears from Christine is, Stephen, what have you done? <laughs> because now she's understanding what he did to bring her back. And she would have never agreed to that. Nope. And and which is the which is the which is the irony, right? The very reason why he loved Christine so much and wanted to bring her back was because of her goodness. But her goodness would never allow him to do what he did. Do you understand mm. what I'm saying? Wow, this was like a heavy episode. People are gonna have to sit with this episode. They're gonna have to really sit with this and understand what AC Bradley, the screenwriter, is saying. There's a lot of hard lessons in this one. And I was like, ooh, I wasn't ready for this lesson. I just yeah. You know what I mean? I'm lucky I had breakfast. I was like, I think maybe because I was looking at reactions of people um, watching it. And I was like, I think I need to eat first before I watch Yeah, it. I watched this at like 5 a.m. And I was wow. like, oh, wow, this is starting off the day kind of rough. And you, and you somehow <laughs> went back to sleep after watching that? No, I didn't go back to sleep. No, 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 no. I got my mind racing. I was like, whoa, this is like deep, deep. It is. And it, you know, it does kind of have ties to episode three when we saw what happened to Hank Pym, um, yeah. how his grief twisted him. And I, I think that's what I think this is what AC Bradley and, and this series, at least with the themes of grief. I think this is what she's trying to tell us is that we have to own it. Like we have to own that pain and we have to own that grief and we have to work whatever it is that that it is. We got to work through it. Yeah, you got to do the work. You got to do the work. You can't, there's no do overs. You can't. Well, I I wish I could make it different. I could go back and uh, the woulda, shoulda, couldas. You can't. And 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 regret to me. People say that jealousy is one of the worst emotions. Yes, but to me, regret is one of the worst. Ooh, it's I one agree. of it's the worst because at least with jealousy, you can kind of work through it. It's like okay, what am I jealous of? Because usually jealousy is about insecurity, right? It's mm-hmm. about something that you lack within yourself. You might see in someone, and you can work on that. But the regret is when you've done something and you can't undo it. 
And that's that. Yeah, yeah and there's that, no coming back and you have to deal with the consequences. Yeah, yeah. I love this episode. I you, Listen, it might be my favorite. And that's saying a lot. It might be yeah, you know number what? one or two. Me too. As far as like emotional impact, this one has had the most em- emotional impact on me. Yeah. Like my my favorite as far as like enjoying and joyful is the Black Panther one. Mm-hmm. But but this one is like hitting on some serious topics and it like like it really had me sad. Yeah. 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 And I'm like going back to what I said about that scene about uh strange, you know, in absorbing all of those the darkness and the evil forces. It's like that's something that I'm thinking for myself like you know, there's something on Twitter called doom scrolling or on social media, right? Where, and especially right now, I don't know when AC Bradley wrote this episode. I don't know when this episode was written, but it is right on time. Okay. Because we're living in a a trash fire of time right now. We've got the pandemic, we've got the anti-masters, the anti-vaxxers, and then we've still got the MAGA supporters, the Trump support, like they're like everything, like the world is on freaking fire right now. And sometimes just going on social media and just reading just more and more bad news. I like, I was telling you, sometimes I'll, I'll log into Twitter in a good mood and it will immediately darken my mood. Yeah. It will and actually... It, 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 no, and I was saying it, and it makes you feel like that that the scenes where he's just absorbing all these these mystical beings, just like mm-hmm. bad news after bad news. You're just like mm. seeing on the timeline, and it's just like twisting twisting mm-hmm. us up. Like Strange looked at the end. Yes, and and the thing is, what Strange didn't realize is that with all that power, when he was in the library of Cogliostro, right? Let's let's think of the library as like knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. He could have used that magic to heal himself. Yep. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> like, he could have used that, like, how do I get over this grief? How do I work through this grief of losing someone that I loved? Yeah. But he but he didn't want to use that. He didn't want to use it that way. And and that's how I feel about, you know, social media. And, and let me be clear. I'm not anti-social media at all. I think it has its purpose. I think it's good. I mean, speaking, and I've been open with people about this. I've gotten quite a few opportunities being on Twitter. Someone will be like, oh, hey, I saw you tweet about a certain show. Would you like to write about it? Or there's a panel. So I've I've gotten some coin off of Twitter. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking it. But what I've realized over the last few years is that I have to use Twitter and not let Twitter use me. Right? Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's an app, okay? And people like Twitter is real. Yes, Twitter is real. And so therefore, if you know the power and the influence and what Twitter can do, then like Twitter is like there's a it's a power source, right? Much like magic is a source of power. You have to know how to wield it. Yes. And you have to know how to use it to benefit yourself, how to heal yourself and not use it to hurt people, right? Much like Strange was using his magic to to hurt people, right? To make himself feel more powerful. Do we not see this on a daily basis, Robert? That's like, such a good comparison. Such I'm just, a good comparison. And I'm including myself because in I'm trying to be, I'm not trying to be sanctimonious here. It's like, I'm constantly having to correct. There are sometimes I'll put a tweet out and sometimes people will be like, oh, I just saw you tweet something. And I deleted it because I was like, you know what? 
it, that energy for, of that tweet doesn't need to be out there. Yeah, no, I agree. I do the same thing. I yeah. do the same thing. I, I really, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to the point now where I like really take my time before I tweet something out. Like, yes, just yes. sit on it for a little bit mm-hmm. and, and just kind of like think this through before sending anything out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and sometimes you need, like he was, he was in this space where he could have taken the time to meditate, to heal. Think about his memories of Christina. He was like, no, I'm going to fuck up the universe. And yeah, I don't he basically care. had access to the resources to, to find out the knowledge to do anything to help himself. Right. And he chose, and isn't that another he, metaphor? He chose violence. <laughs> he chose, and we joke about that, especially on Black Twitter. It's like, ah, ha, ha, we, he chose. But what are we really saying when we choose violence? Because what mm-hmm. people don't understand is that when you, even if the person is wrong and you have every justification to be upset, right? And I'm not just talking physical violence, but like verbal violence, right? right. Or emer- emotional violence. When you partake of that, you become corrupted with it. You absolutely it corrupts do. you as well as the as 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 well as the wrongdoer. So it's not about. And let me be clear: if somebody wrongs you, or someone does something to you, you should absolutely stand up for yourself, and you should actually you should absolutely hold that person accountable. But there's ways that you can do it, like use your big girl words, like use your grown up <laughs> words, and you you know what I mean. And we see this on Twitter, like people just throwing tantrums. Mm-hmm. Just throwing tantrums and just hating on people and just fighting. And it's like, but for what? Like, I remember when I joined Twitter around the time that you and I became friends, like, it used to be a fun place. Like, people yeah. would share, you know, like, oh, I like this show or, oh, maybe I did. Even if you uh, disagreed with the person. But now it's so polar. Everything yeah, is just really black is. and white. Yeah. So, yeah, I would I would really tell, I would highly recommend, please watch episode four of What If. And, like, Listen to this podcast and really understand like what this episode is saying because it's profound. At least to me, I found this to be a very profound episode. It was for me too. It was mm-hmm. for me, and I'm definitely watching it again tonight. Me too. See what see what other little tidbits I can pull out of it because there was a lot going on. They were. They were. Well, thank you, Robert, for joining me for another episode, (laughs) another recap (laughs) of What If. Um, We will be back next week to review episode five. I think there's nine episodes in this season, right? So we have about five more. Yeah, it's like nine or ten. Yeah. Nine or ten. Wow. I'm like, you know, and that for you to be episode four and you're still swinging out the park like that. Hopefully it's just up upwards from there. There might. I don't know. There might be a couple of duds. We don't know. But we will be here. We will give you the real tea if we like it or not. Um, can you tell our listeners where they can find you, Robert, on social media? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Robert C. Young. Thank you. And of course, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Fatal underscore NYC. And if you have any questions or comments that you would like to direct to me or Robert, um, you can use the hashtag the spectrum lounge and use our twitter hashtag our, our twitter handles as well and we'll be happy to talk to you whether you agree or not <laughs> uh so thank you for tuning in to another episode of the spectrum lounge see you on the other side